Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, for SB Live Sports. Today's guest, one of the best assistant coaches across the West Coast, maybe even across the nation if you ask a number of uh, insiders. He's somebody that I've gotten to know over the last few years as I grow my broadcasting career. He's a San Diego native. He's gone through literally every role in the Aztec San Diego State basketball program. He is a future head coach in the waiting, who knows where, David Velasquez. David, Thanks for joining. I can only imagine the weather in San Diego is easy to recruit to this time of year. This is the best time to get some recruits on campus. It's about 67 degrees and sunny, and uh, I appreciate all the kind things you said in your uh, in your intro there. But uh, I'm just trying to be a great assistant coach here at San Diego State, and, uh, but I appreciate the kind things you said. Well, that's one of the things that I've enjoyed about talking with you at shoot-arounds or pregame settings uh, when I'm finishing up my prep is – um, you are always focused on task at hand. Now, you've had multiple roles at San Diego State. Can you kind of give us uh, a rundown of what a typical college basketball program entails, whether it's obviously the head coach and then your assistants that recruit, but then video coordinators, managers, et cetera? Yeah, you know, I think that's part of the special uh kind of things I've had here at San Diego State the whole time is being in almost every single role from being a student manager, from uh, helping in any way possible to just rebound, uh, be, be a part of the staff and cutting down film when I was a freshman, sophomore. So as, as I kept going on in my career, I actually was put on scholarship by Steve Fisher, Coach Fisher, my, uh, my last year. So I was a player towards the end. But leading up to all that, I was a part of all the official visits. You know, I helped host a lot of recruits. I helped kind of drive around families, get them to and from the airport back then. And so there's a lot of roles that I was doing as just a young student manager. And then when I was a player, the role changed a little bit in terms of how you were with even the, you know, the, you, they were always my friends. They were my roommates in college. But when you're actually on the floor, the sweat equity that you have with them in the weight room and everything, it's just a different, you have such a different connection and vibe and memories with those guys. And then as time went on and to come back and be a video guy after college and, and to be in that role where now, I think the, the the craziest part of that role was probably the hardest one was I went from being a player. I went from going out at night with the guys. I went from, you know, being a part of official visits where I'm making sure that all the families and everybody that came in, they had a great time. Well, now when you're on staff, that's not your role at all. You, your role changes and it was just happened fast from the time we ended in March to our first game in November. I'm no longer in the locker room. I don't hear what the guys got to say. I'm in the staff meetings all day with Coach Fisher and Dutcher. And, you know, so it was, a, it was a definitely a unique transition for me and then uh moving from video guy and part of the thing about being on staff here at San Diego State and everyone would tell you this is everybody's opinion matters nobody 
you know, there obviously is a, a pecking order from head coach all the way down to city managers. But if you have something you would like to say, if it's an intelligent comment, there's people here that will listen and uh, respect your opinion. And so I've always felt like I had a say in what was going on throughout our staff meetings for a long time as video coordinator. And then when uh, I became an assistant coach back in 2014, where I was on the road recruiting, obviously I was like every young first time guy on the road. I would thought going to high school games four nights a week and recruiting a hundred guys instead of just on the eight or 10, I should be focusing on was the right thing to do. But uh, you learn and you live and learn. And, and then with that comes, you start to really grow your, your ability to have a very impactful voice uh, in the film room uh, during workouts with the guys. And then obviously through prep work and then through every practice. And so that's somewhere where I, I've uh, been very fortunate to learn from so many other great assistants, so many great people that have been through this program, even former players that have really just intelligent guys. You can just sit down and talk basketball with for hours and hours, which makes a great program. And you've been a part of that with some guys at Gonzaga and a lot of guys at Gonzaga, I should say. And, you know, we're the same way over here. We take a lot of pride in just winning basketball games. And I think, that's something that separated us, but also just the people that have been around us. You know, the adults in the room at San Diego State, you can go through so many are just, they're fantastic guys. And they, they all have really good jobs and incredibly hard profession. And I think that's something, you know, you're talking about started with the, the top of the top of the Hall of Famer, Coach Fisher, and then moving on from them. But that, that's been something I've been very fortunate to be a part of. Well, you mentioned the recruiting where you went from video coordinator to now assistant coach where you're actively recruiting. How has that changed over the last couple of years because of the transfer portal, because of COVID, and because of being granted an extra year of eligibility? I can only imagine you guys have had to go through a number of ideas and then settle on one general philosophy for your program. Yeah, you know, but we've been fortunate. You know, I, I think with a lot of guys, uh, they might have had to change a lot of what they do. Obviously, it's a lot more unique without guys sitting out, um, good and bad, and we can get into that. But I think with us, we've been a part of the transfer portal since since I got here in 2002. I mean, we got here in 2002, the best players that were in this program, Randy Holcomb was a transfer from Fresno State. Tony Bland was a transfer from Syracuse. So that goes back two decades where Coach Fisher and and the staff back then believed in transfers. So transfers have always been a thing here at San Diego State. But I would I would say the one thing that won't change in the transfer portal is you try to find the, the guys that have the intangibles that help you win. And at our program, I think people get really misconstrued when I say that because Malachi Flynn came from a, a losing program at Washington State. Well, in high school, he was a winner. He came from a winning program. And that's what he wants to do. And it's not always on the guy who comes from – maybe their team had lost in their division one school, but sometimes you got to see, you got to really peel back what coach Fisher always says, peel the onion, you know, peel back the curtains. Some say to figure out what, why they lost and, and what, and how much of it was them and how much of it was, you know, they want to win. They want to be a part of something special. And using Malachi as the perfect example, you know, Washington state, I mean, they just, they, they competed. They just, they just didn't, couldn't find a way to win. And they had great coaches over there, but, Malik, I wanted to go into a program that played in the NCAA tournament, was around guys that were used to winning, and he gets here and he's around a bunch of guys that have won. And and just to be honest, Matt Mitchell and Jordan Shackle were both state champions in high school, and both of those guys that were here were huge. And and Nate Mitchell was always a part of winning programs in high school. And so again, it's we those intangibles that you look for in transfers. It's not always their record at their Division One school. You try to peel back and see who they really are as people. And everybody says, and you've had a lot of teammates that said they want to win. But when it really boils down, some of them are so much about themselves. 
And that's just something in basketball that we all go through. And every coach understands that. But when you have a group of guys that want to win, that's what we were really looking for at San Diego State are guys that are willing to sacrifice and work for the ultimate cause, which is to win basketball games. I really like how you put that about maybe they had some struggles with their current college program of winning, but you go back a step and see what their 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 process was like in high school. And, and I completely agree with you on Malachi Flynn. And I wanted to ask you about his development at San Diego State, but you're right. He played for a great high school program in the state of Washington, Bernie Salazar, a great high school coach. Yeah. Um, and, and I believe they won a state title. He was the player of the year. But they just couldn't put it together at Washington State. How far back do you go in researching guys who are in the transfer portal? And tell us a little bit about Malachi's development because he went from a guy who was overlooked in the Pac-12 because they didn't win to an All-American. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, to, to the first part of your question, we, go, we, we try to do our best on not recruit too many guys we don't know a lot about. And so what I mean by that is, if you really look at most of the transfers, even a guy like Malachi, who we were recruiting Jalen McDaniels at the time in the Northwest, we knew about Malachi and, you know, we knew of him. Now, did we recruit him? Did we basically, you know, uh, you know, we don't have too big of a deal to say we missed the first time around. We should have got him out. of. We should have tried to recruit him out of high school. We did it, but we knew about him. And so we knew what he was kind of about then. Um, but no, we try to, most of the guys in, in our transfer, San Diego State's, you know, been a transfer program, been a part of the transfers for a long time. Not just transfers. You got to have your high school guys. You got to have the right high school guys, guys that are mature enough to understand the process that we might be bringing in some older guys that you're going to compete with. But when it's your turn, your second, third year, like a guy like Keisha Johnson, now is the starter for us. He had to sit his turn, wait his turn, and understand the process. However, most of them are from California. Most of them are from the West Coast. JG O'Brien, who was was on you know a, a very a non-winning team, I should say, at Utah. We knew J.J. in high school. We wanted J.J. out of high school, but he went to Utah. Dwayne Poli, another transfer of ours. Xavier Thames, another. He, Dwayne Poli goes to St. John's. They're not that good, but we know Dwayne. We know Dwayne was a part of at Westchester High School. Xavier Thames, out of Sacramento, goes to Washington State. You know, he's only playing 19 minutes a game, but he knew he, want, he wanted to be a winner. So, And it can go on and on and on and on about guys throughout the years that we've had a very good data uh, on before they got to San Diego State about who they really are, even though the records of the divisional program they were coming from, you know, wasn't as 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 good as you would want it to be. And then also with our high school kids, like we we know why. Got some some guys, you know, they're in high school, they're going to their local public high school, probably not. You know, it's different. They're not going to go beat the, you know, the really talented, you know, maybe uh, schools, high schools that put kids on scholarship or prep schools that are really good. So. Um, but then to, to move on to Malachi, and, and I won't be too long with this, the thing people don't realize, the recruitment of Malachi, it was just Coach Dutch and I on staff. There's nobody else on staff because Coach Hudson uh, just got the uh, Fresno State job and Coach Tim Shelton with, went with him, which was awesome for him to get his first head coaching job in the Mount Willie Lake Mount West. So so great for him. But so it was just Dutch and I. And when we went to go see Malachi, it was like, here are your numbers. You're not on any draft boards. You haven't won. You haven't played in March. And here's why you're not on any draft boards. Here's what you look like to us as guys have coached NBA guards, been around long, enough really good players, seen guys get paid. You know, there's two things you need to do. You got to become a better finisher and be more efficient around the basket. You can't shoot the same percentage you're shooting at the end. And I know some of them come into shot clock. You got to get a shot up. But the most important thing is you can't defend a ball screen at the, at the elite level. You know, watch yourself versus Peyton Pritchard. 
and you're getting clipped on every ball screen. He's getting downhill. You have to find a way to be an elite defender at your size to play in the NBA. And then the other thing you need to do at an at elite level is you have to be able to finish around the rim and be more efficient. And I thought he did that. His development started in the recruiting process, to be honest with you. That, that's a that, tremendous scout evaluation on Malachi Flynn because at Washington State, and I called a number of those games for the Pac-12 Network, he was a good shooter, but a, but his numbers didn't dictate that he was a good shooter because he had to take so many end-of-shot-clock deep threes. Or he didn't have – when he penetrated, nobody had to worry about him kicking it out to a shooter on the yeah. perimeter. Yeah. It was a better look for him to throw one up and, and I don't use the term throw it up lightly, but he had to put one up in, as opposed yeah, to kicking yeah. it to a corner shooter who was going to miss it anyways. But then the getting over the ball screen stuff, uh, I do agree with that as well because that's such a big part of the game now is pick and roll. You guys have been one of the best defensive teams in the country for really since Coach Fisher took over. What are the yeah. biggest focal points for you guys as far as teaching or making priorities defensively? You know, you know, it's, it's I, I don't want to be, sound like coach speak too much, but it truly is, you know, what you emphasize is what you are great at. And, and we really emphasize that into the ball. We emphasize it during the recruiting process. We emphasize it every day. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, I, people laugh at this line, but I use it all the time from coach Fisher, like sticking to it is the genius. Like doing the same closeout drills, same shell drills, same ball screen drills over and over and over again you see guys progress go like this you know and it's the same thing if, you know if guys are always in the gym shooting at some point it might not happen right away they're going to become better shooters you know guys that really work on their ball handling work on the right stuff right things about ball handling they're going to better ball handlers. i really just truly believe in that on the defense end of the floor and a lot of that comes from you're talking about being in a program that has emphasized defense for the two this is truly my 20th season at san diego state and it started with Coach Fisher and Dutcher. And then we've had a lot of great assistants. Mark Hughes, who's an assistant with the uh, assistant GM for the Clippers now. He was a huge uh, impact in, in our program. To Greg Gottlieb, who's been a longtime Pac-12 assistant, who's now Grand Canyon. To, you know, Justin Hudson, who comes in with a, a pedigree of being a defensive guy. And he gets with Coach Fisher. And this defense goes from being pretty good, solid, to being boom, where they kind of took it together to being, at, to being an elite level. And, I'm fortunate enough to be around all these guys. And then the guy that nobody really understands is how smart he is, especially about the defensive end of the floor, even though he had a lot to do with their offense, is Mark Fisher. And Mark Fisher, who was just so impactful in this program of the little things matter. High hands on closeouts matter. You know, really yelling out ball screen coverages matter. Your rotations when you get beat matter. And there's all these things that you learn, you know, Again, over the years, and, and I, I always tell our staff, we were talking about yesterday at practice, you know, there's one thing this year that I've already learned and continue to grow and learn that you can just become better and better and better defensively. You never stop. You can, I always, I always love this about Coach Fisher is you, there was never a ceiling on the defense. Like you can never be good enough. You could always be better. You can never have a perfect game, you know, and I, I learned the line, you know, I tell our guys all the time, they, hear, they get sick of me tired of saying this, but. We don't play baseball and soccer. You don't pitch shutouts in this game. Like people are going to score. Now, how hard are you going to make it for them to score consistently throughout a 40 minute game? And I think that is something that our guys take a lot of pride in. And again, 20 years, you're talking about a culture. You understand that the juniors and seniors that are part of this program, 
they understand how much fun it is to, go, to play at a defense at an elite level, how much it does help you during games. And again, you cannot talk enough about Coach Dutcher and the scouting he's done. He's done for Coach Fisher since the Michigan days. Coach Fisher, even the 1989 press conference when they won the national championship, talked about Coach Dutcher's scouts. I mean, it's he's been on. He, he's his scouting is as good as anybody in the country. I would put that up, and I mean, everybody says that that plays us. I mean, so. You put all these things together, and, it, and, it, and again, you talk about a whole staff, a culture of guys that really believe that defense helps you win championships. You look up, and maybe if we're fortunate enough to say we got 14 championships in the 20 years. So uh, you, you had a couple great comments there. Don't pitch shutouts. That's something I haven't heard yeah. before. That, that makes a ton of sense. I'm going to try to steal that <laughs> at some point. But I want to I hear a little bit about the mentorship and the, the guidance that – Coach Fisher has given you. He's obviously a, a Hall of Fame level coach. He took a San Diego State program over that was literally, you would know better than I do because you're from that area. They, they were irrelevant in college basketball. And he became, or he got them to the level of, you know, going to the NCAA tournament basically every year, NBA draft picks. Um, how did he do that? How has he mentored you and what does he mean to you? Well, he's he's uh, about as much of a family as you can get. And I'm very lucky to say that because he's uh, is about as great of a human being that you could ever be around. And and everybody will talk about he turned this program around because of his pedigree at Michigan. And, and our, we had this beautiful brand new arena. That's what we call Viejas now. It was Cox back then. And we can talk about all these things. But really, at the end of the day, it's just Coach Coach Fisher and who he is as a person. And when he recruits, you're not going to hear anybody bad say a, a, lot, a bad word about Coach Fisher. You're not going to hear anybody that's ever worked here, been a manager here that doesn't still have constant contact and communication with Co- coach Fisher. He's just as, I mean, he's as nice and as, and as solid and as great of a leader you'd ever want in a person. And one of the things that I've really learned from him is, you know, when I was younger and, you know, I don't know you too well, I know how good you were, you know, on the floor, Dan, but like I was really fired and passionate and, and losing put me here and winning put me here and coach Fisher the whole time I was with him was just here. And to me, that was just something like to, to, to learn from at a young age, to not be so up and down, to be so constant and, and treat people the same way, whether you win or lose. I think it was something that was it, it was inspiring to be around. It's something I still try to do to this day. Uh, Coach Dutcher is obviously like that. But it's it's hard to do. You know, it's you know, we just played a game at Michigan where we were pretty good for 20, 25 minutes. Then we go on this really low spell from 14 minute mark, seven minute mark. That that could either ruin my entire weekend and I could be a different person in my family and the players yeah. and come back Monday and want to just blow up what we do. And this guy's out just to stay, you know, stay consistent, stay the course, stick to it. Sticking to it is a genius. Like really, truly believe in that would not be such a roller coaster coach. And that's one of the things I, I probably the number one thing from coach Fisher I've taken besides just how to treat people. Doesn't matter if we're 30 and two that year with Malachi, like with Malachi and that team, Treat them all the same way. Treat everybody the same way when you lose to Michigan or or when you go beat, you know, Creighton by 30 like we did that one year. Like, like those kind of things, little things, I think are so impactful in, in, in your life as a coach because of how stressful this job is, how hard this job is, how cutthroat it's now becoming. I mean, you're, you're looking at a guy like Mark Turgeon. Like, yeah. those things as you're a coach, you're watching the business and you're like, holy cow, this is crazy, you know? And, and so – you know, not to get too caught up in those little, you know, those wins and losses and just, you know, stay the course, just be who you are. So Coach Fisher was the head man of one of the most iconic college basketball teams, the Fab Five. 
Is there a story that he's ever shared with you about the Fab Five that's just like uh, you just have to shake your head and laugh or, or brings back good memories? <laughs> Uh, not, I mean, to be honest with you, I've, I've heard so many throughout the years. It's hard to just pinpoint one. I mean, since we're talking about kind of a basketball coaching slash, like, uh, you know, kind of people that really love the game understand. I thought I always loved the, uh, the ones about how he coached all Jawan, Chris Weber and Jalen Rose completely different and why he coached them completely different because some of them could handle being called out. One couldn't be handled called out. And another one, you just had to call his number three or four times in the first half just to get him going. And like those little things that you learn. And I'm sitting back, that's still my favorite team from growing up outside of the Stanford teams I was around when I was growing up. But like those fat five days, the guys like you and I, I mean, those are just the most fun college basketball team in the history of basketball to watch. And But to know like the ins and outs of why Chris Weber was allowed to shoot threes in the first half, but in the second half, it was, no, you're going to get your butt around the rim and you're going to win this game for us. And but, but Chris Weber was just – he knew Coach Fisher. You know, those are things you learn as from being around these guys that have been around the best, like how to treat them. People always used to ask us why he lets Kawhi Leonard shoot so many threes. I mean, he, he, Kawhi Leonard left San Diego State after his sophomore year, a 19% career three-point shooter. And Coach Fisher never yelled at him for taking one three, not one time, because he knew he was going to what he called pay the bills. He's going to rebound the ball, guard the best player. He's going to get to the free throw line. He's going to finish around the rim. He's going to be, make great passes. So, yeah, let him shoot a few threes. It's not going to win or lose you the game. You know, and I just think those little things you learn from guys like that are special. Pay the bills, and that's exactly what Kawhi <laughs> Leonard did. Uh, and yeah, he's no going to pay any bill he wants now because he's one of the best yeah, players no in the world. Um, but I want to go back to a comment you made because you and I were both similar age watching the Fab Five. They brought the Black Sox. They black, brought the long baggy shorts. As an assistant coach now, and you see young players rolling the shorts, wearing the short shorts, <laughs> does it make you cringe? Because I was at my son's high school game the other day, and uh, you've got all these different looks, guys trying to get attention. And that's what I look at it as. What does it make you think of as a college coach when you go see that? You know, it depends on who they are, but but again, I, I always I have two sides looking at it. One, I look at it from I remember being that age. I remember that I, that I was a guy, not necessarily wanting the attention, but I felt a certain way when I, I don't know if you remember these yellow Adidas Kobe's that came out. Yeah. Uh, yeah like I had those in high school, but it just, cause it made me feel good. Now it might've made it look like, Hey, look at me, but like I needed to have the most exclusive fresh shoe on when I played. And so that was me being a little bit young and naive and dumb, if you want to call it. But the flip side of that with, with the coaching side is, is you almost feel bad. And again, it's not their fault because you don't know what you don't know and how much importance they put on likes and social media love from their friends. Where you and I would get just like, hey man, uh, I like those from one of like, you know, maybe an opponent or your teammate. Like that's that's it. You're not getting like, yeah. you know, retweeted and reposted about whatever shoes you wore in your high school game. And so again, you, I just look at it from both ways. I, I think I, I we never get caught up in, not recruit that kid because he looks like that it's now if he plays bad and wants to play all about himself yeah that might be something that we're really going to put into the evaluation not maybe we will put that into the evaluation of a player because again you can't be all about yourself and expect to come to a program like ours and win and 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 understand that how hard it is to win and i think that's something that you know with our group right now i think we're continuing to learn is how hard it is to win 
And 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 because not winning is not easy, and it's not easy for any game. I mean, you look up last week, and I know uh, you know I'm not sure when this will be aired, but Texas Southern was 0-7 going at Florida and lose that game. And it's just a college basketball is is a game that every game, if you don't prepare and and get yourself ready to go, you can lose to anybody, and that's for everybody in the country. That's for Purdue, who's number one as of today, to to the. To, it could lose to the worst team, whoever's ranked the worst in Ken Palm or whatever you believe in. Um, and I, I just think it's something that our guys are, I guards are incredibly aware of at San Diego State because of how we prepare. Yeah, no, that's that's a great answer. I, I love so much of that. Last question, Coach, before I let you go. Yeah. You know, San Diego State and Gonzaga have been kind of, I think, the two most consistent good programs on the West Coast over the last 20 years. Arizona has had some runs. UCLA made a Final Four. Oregon has had some ups and downs, but they've been good generally. But if you look at percentage-wise, I believe it's GU and San Diego State, if I'm not mistaken. How much pride do you guys take in that? And then if you guys break through to get to a Final Four, what will that mean to you? I lost you there at the end. You said percentage-wise, it's us and who? Well, I, I believe you and Gonzaga percentage-wise have had the best winning percentage over the last about 20 years on the West Coast. If you guys can break through and get to a Final Four, what would that mean to you guys as a program? It, it would It would mean – I mean, it would mean a lot. It wouldn't mean everything, uh, still national championship, but – Final Four is what we talked about since I've been since I got here. When I used to hear Coach Fisher recruit in 2002 with Dutcher and and all these guys that I mentioned before, I mean that's everything. We we want to go to a Final Four, and we've been good enough now three times that you could say, okay, there's three teams that were good enough to do it. And now you can it, it, a lot of it is getting lucky and getting the right matchups, but we're right there. And we only had a chance two out of three times because the third time was that, uh, unfortunately, for it was a lot of other teams as well. Like Gonzaga had an amazing year, was that COVID year. But 2011, we're 34 and three with Kawhi Leonard. We run into a national champion, Kimball Walker. Nobody could guard him. It wasn't just us. He was, <laughs> he was on a run that it was on a run that obviously it's already led to whatever career he's had. And it was, it was an unbelievable team. And then in 2014, we run into an air. We're 31 and five. For 31 to four at the time, we run into an Arizona Sweet 16 team that has as many pros as any Arizona team had ever had in one team, going all the way back to Lute Olsen days. And again, you to go to the final four, you won, you need to get great matchups, you need to get a little bit of lucky, but you gotta have the dudes to do it. And we're fortunate to say, and then obviously with Malachi's team being 30 and two, we had three teams that we truly believe. You ask any assistant who was here, any manager, like there was a belief there that. We could have done it and we still need to crack that. We need to get to that next step. And winning the next step to us, I always laugh about it. We talk about final four is get to the elite eight. Once you get to the elite eight, then give your chance to go to a final four. And, you know, like last year, I loved our team last year. I know you did a couple of our games last year. We, you know, we finished the year 23 and five and we hadn't been zoned all year. And we run into a Syracuse team that, you know, it's, I think it was a six 11 game and they, buddy Beheim just goes off. I yeah. mean, it was, he hit a turnaround like you're playing one-on-one -on -one and you knock the ball away from your buddy and the ball goes to half court and he turns, spins around and shoots it in. I mean, we just – we ran into a Buddy Bayheim night that we just were not expecting and we've shot our worst shooting night of the year. And, again, that that happens in the NCAA tournament. I mean, I you talk to Mick Cronin and it's just so fun. That's that's the same team 
that could have lost to Michigan State in the playing game with made free throws from Michigan State. I mean, yeah. it's, it's wild how the in-state tournament is so impactful in our sport for even long-term, for tradition and everything, when really it's it's so many things that go on to go into it. Now, when you get to a level that Gonzaga is starting to get to and the Kentuckys and the Dukes that have been there just multiple, multiple times, Kansas, it, it, it's pretty special because we know how hard it is to do that more than one time, one or two times. Well, I know this is if if and when you guys get there, I will be pulling for you guys unless <laughs> it's a GU it. matchup because you are a <laughs> West Coast team. So, uh, Coach, I really appreciate the time. It was nice to get to know a little bit more about your background and your your kind of focus as a coach. Um, look forward to come calling a number of Aztec games throughout this year. So thanks again for joining the ISO. I appreciate you having me, Dan. Thanks for everything. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.